Your best bet is to stay on track. Your best bet is to stay with God. Your best bet is not to start praying. Your best bet is to keep praying. Five seven three four. When your servant is sick, welcome to Brothers of the Word. Because brother, you need the Word. And today we're going to be studying, beginning with the Book of Matthew, chapter eight. This is a story that you've heard multiple times. You've heard many sermons on it. Matthew chapter eight, beginning at the fifth verse of the New King James Version. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum. A centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another come, and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you, that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. It is interesting to note that Jesus was marveled or amazed at faith only twice as written in the Bible. This time with the centurion. When Jesus said, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. And he marveled at the man's faith. And the other time in Mark 6, 4. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus had two instances where he marveled about faith. One where he marveled about great faith one where he marveled about little faith. The interesting thing about these two extremes is that when he marveled about great faith, the man had never met Jesus before. When he marveled about little faith, these were his folk. So it is interesting that the people who or the person who had the greatest faith, faith like he had never seen anywhere in the land, even in all Israel, the person who had the most faith 
was actually the most distant physically from Jesus. The folk who he marveled at had the least faith. These were his kinfolk. He said a prophet is without honor in his own country, among his own kin, and in his own house. So here on one end, he was amazed at how low the faith was. On the other end, how great the faith was. So I want to just look at great faith. We can talk about little faith all day long, but little faith won't get you anywhere. I want to talk about some great faith. I want to talk about the centurion. Because we're in the position of the centurion in that there are going to be some times when we're going to have some stuff we're going to need Jesus for. And I want you to see how the centurion, how a man of great faith, how he did it. He was a centurion, which meant that he commanded at least 100 men. In today's military parlance or vernacular, that would be called a company. Because in the military, for those of you who've been in the army, a company is any division of soldiers from 80 to 250. That's called a company. So in effect, he was commander of a company by our common language. He had a servant. You had to be at a particular level to have a servant. You had to have some money to have a servant. Just bottom line, because you had to pay the servant. So you had to have some money. You had to have some resources to have a servant. But see, he came to Jesus because his servant was sick. His servant was paralyzed and near death. He had a servant. And I know some of you are saying, well, pastor, that's another level, because I don't have a servant. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have a servant. Now, you may not have a maid. You may not have a butler. You may not have an assistant. You may not have any employees, but you have a servant. A servant is anything that serves you. You have a servant. You see, even in computers, a central computer that other computers will link to and pull data from, Pastor James is an IT professional, and when you've got one central computer that all of the other computers pull from, that computer is called what? It's called a server. So that computer is a servant, and all of the computers that pull from that computer, they're called clients, but even in the computer world, there's a server So people, we have things that serve us. Let me tell you this. Your money is a servant. Money is a servant. And money is a phenomenal servant, but it is a very poor master. But it is a phenomenal servant. And see, do you know money is a servant? If you got money, money will do things for you. Absolutely. Money is a servant. So if money is a servant, see, some of us, we don't have a physical man or maid service, but we've got money as a servant, and with some of us, our servant is sick and near death. Any of y'all, your money is paralyzed and sick and about to die? So your money is a servant. And some of you need to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, my servant is sick and paralyzed and near death. Do you know your body is a servant? Your mind is the controller, and you tell your body what to do. You tell your fingers when to extend or contract, and your arm when to go up or down, or your leg to go up and down. You tell your body what to do, and sometimes your servant becomes paralyzed, and there's a time when you can't tell your leg to go up, and you try to get it to go up, and it won't move, or it creaks, or it shakes. Your servant won't obey. Do you know, for those of you who are married, do you know your spouse is a servant? Yeah.
go to 1 Corinthians. You don't have to turn that because I'm going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians 7, For the wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Do you know I can tell my lump of sugar to you, that ain't your body, I got power over that body. Do you understand that? That's what it says. So even with a spouse, spouses are servants under each other. But some of you, your servant is paralyzed and near death. So when the centurion went to Jesus and said, My servant is sick and paralyzed and near death, that thing has an application to anything. That is our servant. But how he was able to take things and transform his world, I want you to understand the centurion. Not the little faith, not the kinfolk, not the household, not the town that he was from that did not respect him, did not give him the honor, did not understand, did not want to learn from him. And people, that's understandable. Because oftentimes when things are close to us, they're common. And we don't even see the greatness because they're common. It was that way even in our house growing up. And sometimes my father now, who we see the greatness of, but children would run from my daddy. Because being around him elevated you and it was often a strain because he taught and trained. He wasn't about a whole lot of foolishness. And we're drawn to foolishness, but we'll often run from greatness. And now we see the greatness, but even in his own home, Sometimes the children didn't want to be bothered because daddy was all about business and training and he was too deep and didn't understand it at the time. So I understand how those in his own town did not understand the greatness of the son of God, but the centurion who was a distant away. You see, the reason that I put on these blindfolds when I walked up And I have on the blindfolds now and I can't see a thing. Do you realize that the centurion never saw Jesus? Well, I said, well, pastor, he met him with the first passage. No, 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 he didn't really meet him. Let me explain that and let me take you to the verse that gives you an expanded version. I got to take this off to read the verse. (laughs) That gives you a more complete explanation and that's in Luke, the beginning of chapter 7. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him. He sent elders of the Jews to him. He didn't go himself. He sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Now, I want you to listen to this verse. And this is a deep part. Now, the centurion had never met Jesus. The centurion was a Roman soldier, which meant wasn't a Christian, was a Roman soldier who often was in charge of persecuting the Christians. I want you to see this verse 5 in Luke 7. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. He wasn't just a soldier. He sent the elders of the synagogue to Jesus and said, Look, you need to help this man. 
This man loves the nation of Israel, for he has built us a synagogue. Let me put that in modern language. This man has paid for the whole church. That's like the pastor and the deacons and the minister of music and the ushers all running. They said, look, y'all need to help this man because this man has paid for the whole church. He built us a synagogue. So he wasn't just a soldier. He didn't just have a servant. He wasn't just in charge of a company. He built the church. So when they came to Jesus, the elders were pleading with Jesus, said he deserves this because this man loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying to him, hadn't gotten to the house, the centurion never went himself. He sent friends to him saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Look, this is the man who has built the church, sent servants or sent friends to Jesus, said, look, don't come under my house because I'm not even worthy that you should come under my roof. How many of us right now could invite Jesus into our house just like it is? And I'm not talking about junk and mess. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spirit in the house. How many of us right now could invite Jesus and will feel comfortable about Jesus looking over our house for the next 24 hours? So he said, look, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed, for I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. He never laid his eyes on Jesus. He sent friends to tell Jesus don't come to his house because he was not worthy. He never laid his eyes on Jesus. And Jesus never laid his eyes on him. He said, look, if you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. Most of you will never lay your eyes on Jesus. Now, I've heard of people who had divine manifestation. Jesus has walked into the room or they've seen Jesus. I am seeing Jesus. And there's a good possibility just based on statistical probability, at least in this life, I'm not going to see Jesus. Neither are you. So you're more than likely going to be just like the centurion. And you will never have a direct physical encounter with our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. But those who did have the physical encounter with him didn't believe. Those who grew up with him didn't believe. Those who were in the same house with him didn't believe. The disciples who were with him, of the 70 disciples that he had, 58 of them left. They didn't believe. So just because even there is a personal encounter with the flesh of Jesus, they still didn't believe. But that's why Jesus said, I have never seen faith like this anywhere. This man who has never seen me, who is not even a Jew, but who has built the church, has never seen me. And he says, look, you don't even have to come to my house. Just speak the word. 
and my servant will be healed. It's a level of faith that shook Jesus. And which end of faith are you on? The level that shook Jesus about how little they believe or the level that shook Jesus about how much this one man believed. And he did not fit the criteria of your typical believer because he was a Roman soldier. And yet, Jesus marveled at his faith. But I want to talk about you and how do you get your servant healed when your servant needs healing. See, first of all, I want you to understand this. The greatest faith that Jesus proclaimed. This man was doing something already. His faith was producing a result and action already. That's why the elders, when they went to Jesus, look, this man deserved, this man done built us a synagogue. And see, this is sometimes the difference in when we go to Jesus, we go to Jesus when we are in trouble. And this is often what I've seen when people run to Jesus when you're in trouble. Now, that's where you ought to run. But sometimes the negative that I see with it is this. When they run to Jesus or run to the church, when they're in trouble, the minute the trouble passes, so do they. The minute the trouble ends, you know, they leave Jesus in. I'm all right now, Lord. They leave Jesus then. This man was with the nation of God before he ran into trouble, before his servants got sick. So if you want to follow the example of the centurion, don't wait till something happens in the nation before you come to church. That's not the time when stuff blow up. Now, if stuff fall to pieces, yes, you ought to run to God. You ought to drop to your knees, pray to you. But the problem is the minute the stuff clears up, the folk who flood in when the trouble comes, the minute trouble passes, they flood out. And that really is a way of living through life that keeps you running up and down. See, this man was already there. And he had so much faith in Jesus. He said, you don't even need to come to my house. He said, first of all, I'm not even worthy. I built a church, but I'm not worthy because I recognize your divinity and I recognize my dust. I'm not worthy. And none of us are. But that didn't stop him from doing. I'm not worthy, but yet I still have built a synagogue. And he didn't tell Jesus any of that. The elders told him. He was working And he was faithful before he got in trouble. And see, when you have your faith built up before you get in trouble, first of all, even when you get in trouble, it doesn't bother you as much because your faith is built up. And you can be in some of the worst situations in the world and you're just as calm as you can be because you've been walking with God all alone. And I am just a believer in staying with God Stand in the right path instead of trying to get back in the right path. Now, if you've gotten off track, by all means, get back. But sometimes you go through so much mess trying to get back on track. And when you get off track, the deeper you get off track, the greater the probability is you're never going to get back on track. So your best bet is to stay on track. Your best bet is to stay with God. Your best bet is not to start praying. Your best bet is to keep praying. So if you stay, it's the same way in the physical. Your best bet is not to try to get your health back. Your best bet is to keep your health up. The best bet is not to try to get out of debt. Your best bet is to stay out of debt. So if you maintain, you don't have to try to come back out of the hole because it's just hard coming out of a hole. You can get out of the hole, but it's hard coming out of the hole. And you got to go through so much pain, so much turmoil, so much stuff. All them folk Jesus healed. Do you mean how many years they suffered with all that stuff? So it's best if you stay with God. And it's best if you have a faith 
where you don't even have to see. See, one lady could not get healed. It's a great testimony. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole, but she had to touch the hem of his garment. Suppose you can't get to his garment. Suppose you never see Jesus. Suppose there is no supernatural manifestation. Suppose there is no angel that comes and manifests in front of you. Suppose there is no great sign. Suppose there is no voice booming out of heaven. Suppose you don't have a sign that you can see, hear, or touch. Suppose you don't, and most of the time you don't, and you can't go by the external sign. That's why it's a blessed of those who have never seen, but still believe. And Jesus told the man, be it unto you as you believe. And he never saw Jesus, but yet his servant was healed. He never saw Jesus. And I'm telling you here today, That the presence of God is all around. And though you may not be able to see it, though you may not be able to hear his voice, you can't touch the hem of his garment. There may be no physical manifestation, but yet his presence is here. And the greater you get into obedience and into communication, first of all, God keeps you. He keeps you. And I would rather be kept than restored. Just pure and simple as that. So I'm going to always teach you try to stay right. Because getting right is a second best. Staying right is the best. There's great rejoicing over the one who is lost than the 99 who is saved. But I want you to be in the 99. Because the only problem is out of every 10 who get lost, they only find two of them. Eight of them perish. So I want you to stay with the 99. And I want you to stay with Jesus even when you can't see him, when you can't feel him, when you can't touch him. It's one thing I've learned through life. God is always there. He's always there. And the more off we get, the less we can hear him. But he's always there. When your servant is sick, Jesus can heal any of your sick servants, any of your sick servants. But you got to have faith. And you got to have real faith and you got to have faith and you got to have some action to go along with that faith. See, the centurion could have had all the faith in the world and just sat there. No, he did everything he could do. He sent out folk. He sent the elders and he sent the friends out to meet him. He did everything he could do. He said, I didn't go myself because I just wasn't worthy. I just wasn't worthy. But let me tell you this. If the centurion had gone himself. Jesus would have accepted him with open arms. And he may have had some real rough stuff why he thought he wasn't worthy because he may have just been killing Christians before then, just like Paul did. He may have had some real, real rough stuff, just like some of us got some real, 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 real rough stuff. We're not worthy. We're unclean, but still Jesus will take us if we just go, if we just go. And right now, for those of you who want to come to Jesus right now, I want to just open up the altar For you to come and stay with Jesus. Your servant is sick. Your servant is sick. Your servant is sick. And he said, be it unto you as you believe. What do you believe about your servant? Do you believe your servant can be made well? Or do you believe your servant is destined to die? And I'm telling you now by the word of God, start acting like what you truly believe. See, if you believe your money is destined to die, it's going to die. But if you believe you're destined to be financially free, start building your synagogue on that. Start acting on it. 
get you a budget, start saving, start becoming a company commander because you're a commander of your own company. Start becoming a good company commander. If you believe your body is destined to die, and it is, but not right now. I'm going to live in health for as long as God has destined me. If I believe that, see, your actions reflect your beliefs. It's just like if I believe this floor will hold me, I'll step down on it. If I didn't believe this floor would hold me, if I believe it's going to drop down 20 feet, I wouldn't step on it. Your beliefs reflect your actions in truth. For those of you who your spouse and you believe your relationship is destined to die or remain sick or paralyzed, start acting like you believe it's going to be healthy. Start acting like you believe this person is going to be with me until one of us dies and we are not going to kill each other. Start acting like you believe it. My lump of sugar just sitting right there. You know, just start acting like it. I mean, seriously. I used to hear my daddy. He would go to my mother. I can still hear this even today. And it caused me to do it. My wife never knew where I got this from. My father would kiss my mother a lot. But it wasn't one of the movie Hollywood type kisses. Let me tell you how it sounded when my father kissed my mother. That's the way it sounded. That's the way it sounded. And we would hear my daddy kiss my mother like that. Am I telling the truth, mama? Absolutely. We would hear my father kiss my mother and the sound of a kiss would reverberate throughout the house. What does it sound like with your spouse? And sometimes just even your action, it reflects your belief. And if you believe strong enough, the world will turn itself to your belief system. If you believe. Jesus told the centurion, be it as you believe. Be it as you believe. And when the servants got back, when the friends got back, the man's servant was well. Be it as you believe. And he said, I'm a commander of men. I tell them to do this, they do it. I tell them to do that. I tell them to go here, they go. I have a servant. I tell them to come here, he comes here. I'm a man of authority. And I believe that if you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. People, you got 1187 chapters of word that has been spoken over your life. Do you believe? And this comes a critical question to us. Do you believe? Do you truly believe it? Do you truly believe God is in control? We just saw with the political, all of God spoke just word. Don't you know God is in control? If you truly believe, if you truly believe, now if you don't believe, your actions and your words are going to reflect your belief. Do you truly believe? And sometimes we are around people who believe we're in the church, but we got this end of belief where Jesus marveled at how little their faith was. And yet here a man, a Roman, says, never been faith. I haven't seen any faith like this in all of Israel. I don't even have to come to his house. He believes if I just speak the word, it shall be done. And God has given you the power of your words. If you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Faith of a grain of mustard seed. He was talking to you. What do you believe? What do you believe? What do you believe? 
be it unto you as you believe. Your servant is sick. Be it unto you. Be it unto you. And I declare to you today, believe it. Now, there was a thing going around naming and claiming. I never believed in naming and claiming because it didn't work for the vast majority of people. But there's a belief system that changes your actions. See, faith without works is dead. There is a belief system. When you truly believe something, it will change your actions. It will change your actions. If you truly believe that you're destined to be financially free, it will change your actions. If you truly believe that you're destined to have health and vitality in your body, it will change your actions. If you truly believe that you're destined to have a fulfilled relationship with your spouse, it will change your actions. See, because if you don't change your actions, you're not going to change your results. If you truly believe it, it will change your actions. And I believe God wants the best for his children always. Always has, always will, if we just truly believe. There is so much power in faith. There is so much power in faith. But whenever there is true faith, it causes an action. And you can see that faith manifested in how people talk and in what they do. If you truly believe. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray over those right now within the sound of my voice. Father, I pray for their faith. I pray for their actions. I pray for their results. And I pray right now that you will just send your comforter, the Holy Spirit. I pray that even when they can't see it, when they can't feel it, when they can't touch it, when there is absolutely no physical evidence that you are there, save for all you have created, but they don't know that and can't see that, I pray that you place your love within their heart where they can feel something and it lets them know that you have never forsaken them. You've always been there. Your hand is upon them and your hand is upon their servant. Father, I just pray right now for a deliverance of thought, of action, and of faith to move them to another level where their results will line up with what they believe, what they speak, and what they do. You have sent your son. Father, I pray that even Jesus will be able to look upon this group and pick certain ones and be able to say, I have not seen such faith in all of Atlanta. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. I'm not led to have an altar call, but I said, no, 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 no. You don't need to go back and get on your knees at home and pray for your servant, for those of you who have servants who are paralyzed, sick, and about to die. And you need to go home, get on your knees, and you develop a relationship with the unseen power that controls it all that controls it all, that controls it all. And God is going to take you to another level. And I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. And I know some of you are saying, well, pal, you just don't understand. No, I don't. I ain't supposed to understand everything. I have a very limited understanding. 
I'm real smart, but I have a very limited understanding. No, I don't understand. And there are some things I have never been through, thank goodness. And I'll be honest about it. I don't want to go through your stuff. I want that to be between you and Jesus. I don't want the pastor in the middle of that. I'm going to just be honest. I don't want to go through your stuff. But God knows, and there's nothing you are going through right now that man on this earth has not gone through a billion times before and much worse. There's nothing you've gone through. There's no money situation you've gone through that has been much worse. Folk all over the world, they're starving. They don't have anything to eat. There are folk right now that will die today. Their physical bodies are in a shape. They will die today. Before this sun sets, there are going to be several marriages within this country, probably a hundred or more, and the spouse will literally blow the brains out of the other one. They ain't shot you yet. There's nothing that we go through that has not been here since the dawn of time. God knows it all. And he has delivered folk. You remember the widow? And she said, I'm going to make this little bread and me and my son going to die. That's some financial crisis right there. So God has dealt with extreme where folk didn't even have enough to buy a morsel of bread. He's raised up bones out of the grave. And he's dealt with relationship situations that were beyond imagination. There's nothing that God has not already restored and done. So you're dealing with the master healer. The difference is us. And I tell you people, as Jesus spoke to that centurion, be it unto you as you believe. But when you truly believe, it will change what you do. Be it unto you as you believe. But as for me, I believe God has the best for us. And I believe the best is yet to come. I really do. I believe the best is yet to come. 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 So people, as you are dismissed, I just say to you, go and get your best. Be blessed. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was the message titled, When Your Servant is Sick, by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5734, that's 5734, to listen to over a thousand free messages, or to send this message number 5734, to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often, because brother, you need the word. Brothers of the word.